This is Andy Gilson in the Phoenix FM studios in Brentwood for a very special edition of the Orient Hour and an Orient Hour I can be honest and say that we all wish we didn't have to bring you but uh, the news of course this uh, weekend that Justin Edinburgh passed away and uh, I'm joined in the studio by Darren Burrows, Kevin Dickinson, George Sessions and Dave Victor. We will also be having telephone conversations with Mick Payne, Matt Porter, Kent Teague, Paul Levy, Marty Bellum and Steve Nosbaum during the evening. And uh, this evening it's a Brisbane Road that is awash in a sea of red and white flowers and scarves and queues of up to two hours to sign the Book of Condolence. And Darren Burrows, you've been there today and uh, emotional scenes. Yes, Andy. Um, very sombre. Uh, day. Um, can I just start off by saying, I, 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 on behalf of every Leighton Orient fan, I want to send our condolences to Justin's family, who are very, very much in all our thoughts at this, uh, this terrible time. Um, but yeah, I, I went along to the grounds today. I wanted to pay my respects. I wanted to do something. I felt numb when I got the news last night. And um, when I heard the Sporters Club had kindly made um, themselves available and opened up between 11 and 3 for us to come in and sign books of condolences, it, it just felt the right thing to do, Andy. So and the mood there, Darren, was uh, obviously a sombre one. It was a very sombre mood. Um, there was there was plenty of how can I put it? People, was, I think we none of us really knew how to act in a way, but other than we just knew that it was a very sad, sad event and occasion. But we wanted to be there. We wanted to. We're all in family, so the best people to be around is your family. So we went in, we, 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 we hugged, there was a lot of tears, I had a lot of young Jack's friends with me, young lads, 16 or 20, all, all of us very, very tearful, uh, I, I, I say that because that's how we were, people in the queue, people um, taking pictures of the, of, the, of the flowers and the messages and, and keepsakes to remember Justin by, um, we were very... Um, pleased to see um, both Dean and Joby under those circumstances that they were they were sad and, and sombre and, and clearly very thoughtful and clearly in a, in a difficult space themselves. It's not easy for them obviously and it's, it's a, a weird one for us as supporters because we didn't really know Justin but he had such a positive effect on all of our lives over the last 18 months didn't he? He, he, he made us happy again. He made a smile. He brought back the good times after some pretty horrendous times. So, as a fan, we loved the man. We did, and Dave Victor, he had so many qualities, didn't he? I mean, what do you put the secret of his success down to? I think his, his integrity, uh, he was just so clear. He was a, a man that led by example. There, there, there was no gray with uh, Justin. Uh, he loved football. And he enjoyed it. And there were a lot of smiles. And if you look at the success, it was about a team that he inherited, a squad of players that he inherited. It was a, a squad that was important to him. The players that weren't playing on the Saturday was just as important to him and in his thoughts as those that were. He expected players to give 100% as he always gave 100% but he expected them to enjoy it and they got better as a result you just have to look at the youngsters Did, Were you surprised yourself though at the speed at which he, he recognised the problems and addressed them? 
I was astonished that he uh, made that change at Solihull and put Dean Brill in goal and uh, I think it just showed that he had the ability and the courage to identify where a change needed to be and once he made that change he stuck with it. Dean Brill of course was an ever-present all the time and uh, George he was somebody that kept with the starting 11 unless there was a reason to change it. He was so loyal, wasn't he, to his players? Um, you know, the amount of times you know I probably thought, oh, you know, maybe this person should be dropped, and you know, yourself was probably similar. And he'd always back his players, and, and they'd always deliver. Um, and I think you could see from the very start of the actual bond that developed between you know Justin and, and his coaching staff and the players. And I think that was you know it was early on, really. You know, even the Sutton victory, his, his first win as late night manager, you saw straight away the kind of galvanising effect he had and and from there it just snowballed and you know it's a remarkable journey what really has sort of struck me over the last uh, few hours really looking at all the um, tributes and they are so moving but particularly from his former players at Tottenham the likes of David Gendler um, Paul Gascoigne Gary Lineker and you've you, you, he was such a humble man that you forgot, I forgot, just how much he achieved as a player. You know, winning two very significant uh, cups with Tottenham Hotspur. But he was so humble, wasn't he, George? You just wouldn't know it. You know, you look at his career with Spurs and he's one of the most successful Spurs players of the last 25 years. And yet this is a man that, you know, would never just out of the blue say that he was just you know he was always interested in in you and always interested in in you know what other people are doing and you know humbles the um the right word he was he was so you know focused on the together and it was never about individuals with him it was never about him it was always about us and we um and yeah you're, you're absolutely right Dave the um you know you, you think of that that playing career he had, and 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 yet he started when it comes to managerial was at the bottom, didn't he? You know, went into non-league, and how many you know Premier League players have have taken their first job in the Championship or even in the Premier League? Is you know he he wasn't afraid, and um, you know I think that speaks you know volumes of the man that he went to Billericay and, and started his really successful managerial career from there. I mean, Kevin Dickinson, you know, you had a lot in common with uh, Justin, both obviously left backs. And obviously a mutual love of Tottenham Football Club. How good a player was he? I've got to be honest, Andy. Um, I think I may have played against Justin. Not sure. I mean, there is quite a big age difference between us. I think about seven years. So maybe I played against him when he was at Southend as a young lad. But um, I think what what you can say is the team, Leighton Orient, last season, played in the image of the manager. They played in the right way. You know... um, it's really difficult to to uh, put into words, isn't it? How, you know, how tragic this is. How very very sad it is. But um, as a player, I would say I think Mick Payne touched on it earlier in his interview with with Dave. He um, he got the utmost out of the ability that he had, and he was a player who achieved everything he possibly could have. And as George has just said, you know, he's uh, he won trophies at Spurs. Obviously, a winner as a, not only as a player as a manager as well. Well, let's get some thoughts from elsewhere. Let's uh, catch up with uh, one of our regulars here this season on the Orient Hour, and the uh, Guardian newspaper's Martin Bellum, who uh, sent us his thoughts earlier on today. It's difficult to know where to begin. Really, um, we all saw the scenes just 
last weekend of Justin in Madrid with the Spurs fans seemingly having the time of his life out watching the Champions League final with the club he played for for so many years with such distinction. And then a week later, we're facing the loss. It's so sudden. And even though I think during the course of the week, many of us had begun to prepare ourselves for the worst as there was no news coming out, it still just came as a terrible, terrible shock to us all. And I think, you know, at times like this, the football family comes together. But I, I think the breadth of the tributes that have been paid to Justin from people like Gary Lineker and David Ginola, who who played with him across all the clubs he, he played at or, or managed, um, speaks volumes for the quality of, of what a man he was and, and how well loved he was. And I think looking across social media and speaking to people you know that the fans who never met him are absolutely devastated at losing him. And it just makes my heart go out even more to his family and the players and the club as a whole who have to, you know, deal with this terrible, terrible, tragic loss. But um, we'll have to pick ourselves up and pull ourselves together. Um, there's time to mourn and then the football calendar will just go on. And if Justin was one thing, it was a winner he wouldn't want us to be moping around too long and, and he'd want the club to remember him, which we will do forever, and to push on with those plans that he obviously had to take the club higher and higher. Um, he achieved so much for us and I just feel like I, I posted a little video clip uh, on social media of that last day of the season at Braintree and it's a little clip of me on the pitch with my little six-year-old son on my shoulders and everyone's around us and cheering and singing and both me and my son have just got huge grins on our faces and and that's what Justin gave us, that's what Justin gave this club over the last 17 months or so and he will never ever be forgotten at Orient. That was Martin Bellum then and Darren you've got a bit of a, a claim to fame regarding Justin haven't you? Yeah, I, I think I was very fortunate enough to ask um, Justin the first question from a fan at um, a, a fans forum, meet the manager night that um, was put on. And um, uh, me being me, I come straight out of it and said to Justin, uh, Justin, what's happened to Bocco? And he looked around the room and smiled and went, I like that, straight in. And that, that was Justin, wasn't he? He didn't duck the question. He answered it honestly, and I, I kind of uh, said to George earlier about um, the kind of character the man was. We saw something on social media where Roy Keane was getting in his face in the early 90s, George, I think it was. That, uh, and, and what I loved about Justin as a person is he, he stood up, didn't he, to, to, to people. He, he wasn't a man that was going to be pushed around easily. And there was another, another one with Robbie Savage, which... You know, winding up Robbie Savage, you know, Justin probably knew what buttons to push and, and the man management skills were there early on, weren't they, with Justin in the early days? So I, I feel privileged to have asked him one question in my life. I, I also told him that he hadn't lost his skill when the ball went out of play and he trapped it first time. <laughs> and uh, another one I remember as well, Andy, was... Um, I, don't, I can't remember who the player was, but, but I shouted at Justin. I don't sit far from Justin's uh, uh, position in the dugout. 
and I shouted, um, ah, we need to bring some to so and so, and I can't remember the player, I'm sorry, forgive me. And uh, he looked around, put his thumbs up, and sent the lad to warm up. <laughs> and in, in, a, in a moment of, of, of deep sadness for us all, I think we should remember what great character he was. And Harry carried himself. Well, you asked him one question, George. You must have asked him hundreds over the, the last year and a half. And uh, how open was he to interview? This is what I was going to say, actually. You know, Darren's spot on. The amount of times you'd ask him a difficult question, um, you know, one like about where is Romy Bocco um, or something about the, the forwards or Macaulay Bond sort of having a bit of a dry run. And he would always answer with a smile. Um, and he'd and he'd always answer openly. You know, he'd never shirk a question. Um, you know, Dave asked him a lot of questions about Jay Simpson in, in January time, and he, he you know he, he saw the funny side of it. Um, and I think that kind of that personality of his and, and that humour, you know, maybe sort of fans didn't see that a, a massive deal because you know they saw the kind of the serious professional on the sideline, but. You know, he had a, a brilliant personality, um, and he was always laughing. Um, and and with the press, he would have he would have the press in in a fit of laughter. You know, he'd walk out and you know say something, and it would you know he was just a really funny man. And I think you know that laughter is is what he would have loved people to remember him by. Was there an openness and an honesty about him that you think that got the respect of the players? One hundred percent. And you know, Dave mentioned that that first game at Solihull. Um, and I was completely, you know, just taken aback at how straight away he took responsibility. You know, he'd taken over a team that were almost in the relegation zone. And it wasn't his team. He didn't have to say, you know, we are in a terrible situation and we will get out of it. He could have easily kind of said as, you know, the players, you know, have, are the ones that have got us here and, and they'll be the ones getting, getting us out of here. But straight away he was all about the squad and all about the togetherness and I think that is what got him on side with the players straight away. Post-match what always struck me is unusual for Justin and, and something that was so refreshing he never looked for an excuse there were lots of injuries around January and pitches were terrible other than moaning about the referee that's the closest you got to an excuse and he never blamed the referee for the result did he? No, and the uh, the only occasions he really blamed the referee was when there was a, a proper shocker. It wasn't, you know, a, a small decision, and um, you know that's that's something that was so dignified of him that there never was an excuse. It was always about what he had done wrong and what the staff had done wrong. It was never about what others on the outside had done wrong, and I think that is another thing that the players immediately bought into. I, you know, I spoke to Joby um, sort of before the FA Trophy final, and he was saying how. You know, before Justin came in, the players almost felt like you know, if they played okay and if they tried their best, that was kind of good enough. And Justin came in and straight away made them aware that wasn't good enough. And it was about winning and about winning because Leighton Orient fans and Leighton Orient as a club deserve to be winners again. And I think he um, he was just absolutely perfect when it comes to instilling that winning mentality into the whole team. Well, let's hear from somebody who both knew Justin as a friend and, and had worked alongside Justin and watched him work closely uh, earlier on. Dave Victor spoke to the England Sea assistant manager, Mick Payne. We hear from Mick Payne now. Mick, of course, is the assistant manager for the England Sea side, uh, somebody that knows non-league football very well, a very experienced goalkeeping coach and someone is often heard on the ozone uh, with myself in terms of commentaries. Uh, what is different, though, is that um, most of us have only known um, Justin Edinburgh since December 17. 
But Mick, you're the exception. You've known him for so much longer, over 20 years, isn't it? Yes, it is, Dave. Uh, first of all, Dave, you don't mind me saying, I feel really honoured and privileged to be able to speak, you know, about Justin, and you're dead right. I, I've known Justin, you know, about 20 years, and, uh, yeah, we go back at, uh, at the Spurs Academy, actually. And, of course... Um Justin, I think it's fair to say he was, as a player, he was a good player. I remember watching him at Southend United. But he was uh, a man that had to work hard at the game. Without doubt, yeah. I mean, um, he, he, he is what I call a winner. You know, one of those sort of players that made the most of his, uh, what he had. He'll yeah, always say perhaps the technical side wasn't always his, uh, his gift, but he did. He worked exceptionally hard. And I think, you know, it proved a point, you know, coming through from Southend getting a move to Tottenham, you know, a huge club in the Premiership without a shadow of a doubt. And, uh, yeah, finished up playing, you know, over 200 times for Spurs and in a 10-year career. I mean, yeah, it's a great, great uh, achievement on, on his behalf. One honours, of course, at Tottenham. And uh, listening to the uh, tributes that have come from the likes of David Jenler, uh, Paul Gascoigne and Gary Lineker, he's somebody that's uh, held in such high regard at what used to be White Hart Lane. Yeah, without doubt. You know, he's played with huge players, you know, huge, as you said, Ginola and Gascoigne and Lineker, people like that, you know, he was uh, in that dressing room with those players and uh, they're dead right, you know, he was an honest, honest player, you know, gave everything in every game and, uh, you know, Warris, you know, the way he played, he just, he just epitomised, you know, excellent play in terms of effort. He loved football and he was very involved in all parts of football. I think very early on in his career, he was interested in coaching with yourself, wasn't he? Well, that's right. You know, as I mentioned earlier, he, um, I, I don't know if people realise this sometimes, Dave. Some players, you know, they think they're going to go straight into the, to the big time, if you like. Uh, Justin, you know, did his, did his badges and went through the academy at Tottenham and worked with young players. And, you know, that was, when I say young players, guys, you know, 13, 14, 15, and they looked up to him. They looked up to him because he had played and uh, won trophies at Spurs and, uh, it was good to work alongside him on, you know, on many, many occasions. And, uh, yeah, we had some really, really good times there. Always talking football, uh, but always talking about family as well. He wanted to play as long as he possibly can. And uh, his first taste of management was as a player manager at Billericay. Yeah, he, um, he came down there, you know, I think it was around about sort of mid-30s, about 33, 34, if I was not mistaken. And, uh, yeah, he took up the sort of player managing role at... Uh, bit of Ricky and Ryman Lee, that was, uh, you know, and, and he, was, he was successful there, you know, so it was, a, it was a good sort of stepping stone for him, you know. Moves to Fisher, and then, of course, an assistant at Grades Athletic, a step up into what was then the conference. League football at Rushton Diamonds, where he had a very difficult situation to deal with. Yeah, I said it was uh, tragic, really. I mean, and again, you know, people may not know this, there was a young goalkeeper called uh, Dale Roberts, who unfortunately took his own life and um, I remember being with Justin you know on, on that dreadful occasion and um, you know but he, he dealt with it so so well with the players with the supporters and again that's just a testament to the man you know Justin Edinburgh who, who dealt with that in such a way that was uh, so professional but so heartfelt if you like in terms of the way that he dealt with it he was a real passionate person in that situation. And Leighton Hoynt, of course, often have taken the lead, not least um, Martin Ling regarding sort of mental health issues in the game. And I can remember Justin was talking about how he dealt with uh, what happened to Dale. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a, 
it was. It was a, a very difficult sort of uh, thing to deal with. But uh, you know, Justin made sure that uh, he kept every, himself strong, kept the players strong, people around him. And you're dead right, you know. And, and I think something like that happening, Dave, made people aware, and Justin made people aware of, you know, the the, the, the frailties, of, the frailties of these young players sometimes. And he was very, very conscious of that. So, you know, yes, he may be a football manager, but he was also someone who really uh, looked after people around him. You know, success came at Newport County, a side that had been out of the football league, even out of their own town for a while. Um, it, it was a difficult job, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he, he moved there, what, it was about 2011, I think, he went there. And, uh, yeah, it was a difficult uh, range, if you like. He took the range at uh, Newport. And, yeah, it was a, a... Well, he did exceptionally well. You know, he, he finished up, you know, getting them out of the uh, the, 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 the league and had the playoff final. Rex, so I actually went and watched that. And, um, you know, saw him, you know, go back in the league. And, and, and he was named, you know... Manager of the Year for for the conference again, you know, an incredible sort of uh, achievement. Went on, of course, to Gillingham and Northampton Town, and uh, you know, he he clearly saw himself as a league manager, and he was on record as saying that weren't many clubs that he would have dropped out of the football league for, but uh, late night was the exception, and it was a wonderful fit, wasn't it? Oh, it was a great fit, as I say, Dave. Just going back, yeah, he, again, he learnt his trade at these clubs, went through, as you say, Northampton and Gillingham, but. I, 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 I honestly, Dave, I, I went into the, the training ground and uh, uh, regular um, spoke to Justin and I, I, I chatted to him when he, we got the job. He said, yeah, exactly right. The fit was the final piece for me in the jigsaw for Leighton Orient. I did, you know, they had Martin back there, Martin Ling, you know, people were in place. But to bring Justin Edinburgh in and he stabilised what I feel that first season and then pushed on and, uh, well, the proof's in the pudding, you know, with what he achieved in terms of getting the club promoted and winning the championship. Not just going up via the playoffs, winning it. And that's, that's not an easy league to win. And uh, I just, you know, just have to applaud everything he did in that sort of situation. It was a wonderful, wonderful fit. And uh, I know all the players, uh, you know, love working for him. Because as a coach, you'll you recognise his skill as a coach, but it's uh, his man management. And he was so careful to talk about not only the squad, but players that had trained very hard during the course of the week. He was essential to that wonderful spirit that Leighton Orient had last season. Yeah, I mean, you say the spirit. Yeah, he, he, he actually developed that spirit because it was. He had to pull them up from their bootstraps, really, those players, because they've been through so much. And you're right, you know, there was many, many players there, or a number, really, who were fringe players, and he, he brought them back into the fold. And by doing that, he, he was very... Con I think, again, as a player, going back slightly, Dave, on that, where he knew he had to work really hard to be established and to be accepted, he knew what it was like to be a fringe player, and he was really conscious of making sure anyone around that first team felt they had a, a role to play and that's excellent management I mean it's not just about getting three points it's managing the club and bringing everyone together and the, he had a real uh, you know a real top job in doing that he was fantastic at that role he was loyal to his players as well I mean he'd forgive a bad decision but he w a performance rather but he wouldn't forgive a player that didn't give 100% well as I said you know he, 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 that's, how he, that's how he played Dave as well and you, you used to set that out I mean Every time, whether he was working with young players or older professionals, he made sure that that's what he wanted. He wanted 
everyone to give 100%. And if they walked off and perhaps they didn't get the result, he would be the first one to put an arm around them and say, you know what, you've done, you've done yourself proud there today and you've done the club proud. And that's all he ever, ever really asked for. But for me, he never left the stone unturned. He, he was attention to detail on the training field. And like I said, again, many, many times, I had the opportunity just to see him work. And it was always, you know, really spot on. We were together, weren't we, for the celebrations after the Braintree game. Leighton went back in the Football League. This doesn't feel possible, does it? It doesn't feel that we're having this conversation because it felt like the beginning. Well, as I say, Dave, you know, we're... I'm, I'm talking to you today, and I, I, I do. I feel empty. I feel empty uh, for, for, for especially Justin and his family. But you're right. I mean, that that day, I know you were on the pitch. I went on, you know, give Justin a hug. You know, we just you just looked at each other. I went, Blimey, what you've done here, mate? I can't believe it. You know, you you've achieved it. He said, I know. He said it's been it's been a great journey. He said, but I've loved every second of it. And uh, yeah, it just doesn't feel right to be talking about this at the moment Dave and everybody else is I'm sure like ourselves are in shock really and uh, I just feel so much well heartache for, for, for his family but Justin himself was just a top top guy and I had so much admiration for him Thanks Mick and uh, we really do appreciate you joining us at this very difficult time Thank, Thank you. you very much Dave That was Mick Payne then giving us an insight into Justin Edinburgh the man and uh, Kev as a player, was he the right sort of manager for you? Uh, I don't, I don't really, wouldn't know him as a manager, Andy, would I? Um, I think if you look at the way that the team played last season, it's a team that played in the image of, of their manager. You could see the, the respect that the players had for him, every one of them. And when he spoke, or in numerous interviews, listened to with George and, and Dave, it was always about the group. It was never individual. It was always about the group and everyone as a collective. So you won as a team and you lost as a team. Well, exactly, you yeah. do. You, it, well, in yeah. any team sport, you, you yeah. only win as a team and you lose as a team. When I say, was he a right manager? But what I meant was, he's, as we just discussed with George a moment ago, his openness and his honesty, is that something you'd look for from a manager as a player? I think as a player, that's all you can ask for. For the manager to be honest with you as a player and tell you if he, if he was being left out of the team or if he didn't think he was performing as well as you could do or anything like that. You just want the manager to be honest and tell you. Darren? Yeah, I think from a fan's point of view, um, one thing that the, the, the travelling fans, particularly the fans that are fortunate enough to get to away games, we, we all loved about Justin was that win or lose, Justin would come over and, and, and acknowledge us and acknowledge the trouble and the time and effort we put in to get into the game. And never once did he again duck that every time he would come over. And little clap, that's all we wanted. You know, particularly after a defeat. I think the players want to get away and, and, and we understand that as fans. So for me, he epitomised everything that we needed at the time he came into the club. He got it right, didn't he? He got the big calls right. He knew when to make substitutions. He knew that the Leighton Orient were a big club and that other clubs were going to come to us and, and wanted to beat us. And he, he as, a, as a manager, he installed that into the players that that couldn't be allowed. 
He was a brave manager. He wanted to win every game. He wanted to win the title. He wanted to win the FA Trophy. And, and that was unusual, especially at Leighton Orient. He changed the culture. And I remember so clearly when supporters were almost not enjoying being top of the table. It was Justin that gave the leadership of saying, we've got to embrace this pressure. Uh, some managers would have gone to Wrexham and would have been happy with what would have been a good point. Some managers uh, wouldn't have made the changes that he made in closing stages of matches. We, we were trying to work out the formation and sometimes you're trying to work out, George, who was at the defence, weren't you? I mean, I think we've, we've seen Matt Howard come on as a forward and then score a goal and then re revert and be a, a third or fourth centre-back. Um, you know, I think you're right, Dave. He was, you know, what really struck me about him was how positive he was because... You know, when Orient were top of the table and when things were sort of slightly faltering, um, you know, myself and, and yourself, Dave, you know, we, we both spoke to Justin about, oh, Salford keep, Salford keep winning, Justin, or Solihull keep winning, Justin, and he would always turn it back and say, yes, they are winning, but we are top of the table, so we are the one to catch, and that was what struck me about him, that it didn't matter what type of situation it was, always his focus was on forward and being positive and thinking about what Leighton Orient were doing, never about what everyone else was doing, and that was so key to um, to this triumph. It's just positivity that spread, though, Jules, didn't it? Because, you know, Orient were on that terrible streak under, under Steve Davis. And as Justin said in that now very famous um, dressing room scene after the uh, promotion, you know, they were, this club was going one way and that was Conference South. I don't think he was wrong at that moment in time because despite the best efforts of Ken and Nigel coming in, the club was on the slide. He, as we just said, he came in, he saw, he recognised the problem, he addressed it very quickly. But he installed a positivity that spread not only through the troops, but out onto the terraces as well. I think so. And I think he made, you know, what really struck me is that he made the fans believe again. Um, I think everyone over the previous three to four years had sort of lost that sense of belief. Um, you sort of hope that something, that later on it will come good again, but it was... There was no real belief there because you'd not seen anything to, to back up that belief. But he come in and I think straight away he filled the players with belief. And once you kind of slowly saw that, you know, remember when Orient beat Dagenham over Christmas in his first Boxing Day. And there was, you know, Dagenham were doing well at the time. And I think he just showed everyone that there is, you know, there is something worth believing in with this squad and, and then built upon that. He's a very proud man and he installed a sense of pride, I think, back in the club and that was so important. It wasn't just belief. This is late night. We are one, if not the biggest team in this league um, and he had that pride. He, he wasn't overawed by the fact that uh, late night were the best supported club in the division. This was something, again, that he wanted to embrace and be proud of. Well, we've heard... Uh... Dave just talking there and Dave has been on the phone before we went uh, into the recording studio to record this um, Orient Hour tonight. He was speaking earlier on to the principal investor, Kent Teague. Well, I'm delighted to say that we've been joined by uh, Kent Teague, but very difficult circumstances, aren't they, Kent? Uh, they are. Uh, it's, a, you know, it's a very difficult time for a late Orient football club. Of course, it's a very difficult time for football, the community of football worldwide in general, but, you know, our hearts go out to Carrie and Charlie and Sydney, uh, you know, Justin's really good friends and, uh, and his family. Uh, we know it's a difficult time for them. 
still coming to terms, can't believe what has happened. It's very moving. I'm sure you've seen the tributes that have been laid at Brisbane Road today. I have. Uh, you know, we've, we've gotten reports of that. I've seen the videos that are on Twitter and Facebook. I've really spent the last uh, day or so just, um, you know, watching Twitter and, and Facebook and, and reading all the fabulous tributes uh, to Justin. He certainly deserves them. Um, he was an incredible man, and, uh, you know, we are, we are very fortunate to have had him as our manager for when we did and uh, for him to be a part of our club. So, yeah, just uh, a really, really special time also uh, because there's a lot to celebrate about Justin. Justin was a fantastic person, uh, a fantastic friend. Um, and so there is, it is hard, but it's also time to celebrate his life and to enjoy the memories that we have of him. It must be a very difficult job, you know, um, being a coach and having to make uh, decisions in terms of um, who's going to play, uh, who you're going to leave out of the side. Um, but Justin was very loyal. He had an integrity, didn't he? He did. You know, I, I don't personally know how difficult it is to, to be that job. So, um, but, you know, the way that, Je- that Justin approached it, uh, was very clear-cut. You know, when I have a conversation with Joby and and the players uh, about Justin, they were all very clear on where they stood with him, um, and he was very clear with them about why they were in or out of the side. And it was, you know, Justin's uh, integrity was really high. Um, he had the ability to be very honest, very straightforward, and yet at the same time, you understood that, you know, he was still being very caring and very loving. Uh, it was a, it's a very difficult uh, balance to achieve, and it's an incredible trait that few of us, uh, you know, have. Because I've seen lots of managers, but I haven't seen many. In fact, Justin's probably the exception, where players seem to enjoy his company, and he enjoys the players' company, and that was shown by the number of times that you'd see them all laughing together. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that, that we don't have, and there are some reasons why we don't, but it's unfortunate that people didn't get to see the post-Wembley uh, celebration that we had with the players and Justin and the staff. Uh, Justin was on the dance floor leading the charge, singing the songs, knew every word, and you know the players were just surrounding him, and it, it's clear that Justin uh, was you know, a leader and, and is a leader. And, you know, he really enjoyed uh, being with the players, spending time with them, helping them improve. I think his, you know, playing career really helped him understand the mindset of a player, the hopes, the wishes, the desires of a player. And uh, so, you know, Justin's relationship with the players and the staff uh, with something special and really something to behold. He had such fantastic. a sorry, Ken. He had such a strong work ethic, didn't he? And he expected that of his players. Yeah, you know, Justin showed up for work every day, and when I mean every day, I mean really every day. Um, there wasn't a day when Justin wasn't available, or he, he wasn't, you know, thinking about how to make the side better, how to make certain, you know, players better. And he, he, you know, his work ethic um, 
you know, that's probably what made him such a great player. You know, some players are gifted with just incredible talent, uh, and they never exercise that talent. Some of us uh, struggle a little bit more through life. We're not given the exquisite talent uh, that some are, and we have to work our way through it. And, you know, just through repetition and hard work, we develop ourselves into something special. And I think Justin did that. You and Justin had one thing in common uh, uh, in terms of winning. He wanted to win every game. I remember at Wrexham, uh, late, late, late into the game, you know, against an informed side, a point would have been a good point, but uh, the substitutions that Justin made demonstrated the fact that a point wasn't good enough for him. He wanted to win, and he wanted to win every game, including the FA Trophy. Yeah, Justin, uh, Justin loved to win... And he wanted to win so bad. I'm pretty sure that, and no matter what we did with Justin, he wanted to win. Um, you know, whether it was the first one to be on the bus or the last one to be off the bus or whatever it was, you know, Justin was a winner. It's not just that he wanted to win. It's that he was a winner. And, 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 he, and he had such an enthusiasm for winning and such a love for winning. I'll never forget... Walking into uh, Wembley uh, downstairs, into the locker room, and the players are sitting around and everyone's sort of sitting there uh, and the match has just ended. And Justin is watching film. He's watching film of why we didn't score. Uh, that's the type of work ethic that he had. He was so dedicated to winning, he was trying to figure out why we didn't win at Wembley this last trip. The other thing you both had in common is Justin was just so positive, wasn't he? He wanted to embrace the pressure, and he, want, and he changed the culture at Leighton Orient because when he came in, you've got to remember, December 17, we'd gone three months without a win. We were on course for what would have been the third relegation in four years. And he didn't get off to a great start, but he took responsibility straight away after that defeat at Solihull. Yeah, you know, as a club, we were really fortunate, blessed, lucky, whatever words you want to use to get the chance to have Justin Edinburgh be our manager at that time. And he was amazingly clear-minded about what it was going to take for us to get out of the football league. And obviously he achieved that. He had a way about him that is very rare uh, in people, and that is that he knew exactly what he wanted. He knew he could get there. He knew he could get us there. And there were a number of times when he really truly carried the club on his back and drug us forward um, and for that we will ever, we will both forever be in his debt and forever be grateful he was a passionate man he was a man that loved football he was a very proud man but his proudest thing was his family and after that game against Braintree everybody on the pitch and I can always remember that uh, Justin was celebrating with his wife and his two children yeah you know, he did. He, he loved Sydney and, and he loved Charlie. Of course, he absolutely adored Carrie. Um, I'll, I'll never forget 
as having a conversation at dinner one time with Justin, and we were talking about our children, and I'll never forget how proud he is of Charlie and Sydney. Just the pride, the the beam in his smile, the light in his eyes when he was talking about the two of them. And then with Carrie, um, you know, it was always, it was just so great to see him at, uh, you know, the Starman Awards. And his interaction with Carrie was just fantastic. You know, I got the chance to sit next to him at the Starman Awards. And then, of course, Carrie would sit on the other side of Justin and watching and and seeing their interactions, how much they adored each other and loved each other. Really special memories for me. Ken, I know how sad this time is, but there's part of me that feels that, in many ways, it, this is a time when you feel grateful. And I, 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 personally, I feel very grateful. I, I didn't know Justin very well, but I, I feel as if I learned a lot from him, just seeing how he managed himself and, and managed others. A, a remarkable man. Yeah, you know, everybody handles grief differently. Uh, and every family and every society, every group kind of has a different set of rules. And in my family, we really do try to figure out how to celebrate someone's life and, and remember the good times and remember the value that those people brought to our lives and the difference that they made in our lives. So when I think about Justin, I go from... Uh, two very different uh, situations. One of them is with me, tears in my eyes, and then they start to just roll down my cheeks because I know that I'll come back to Layton and, and my friend Justin won't be there, to, uh, and, 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 and I'm going to miss him. And then the second one is where I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'll just break out into laughter and, and I'll think about the times uh, when I just had so, just such an incredible enjoyment of being with Justin, whether it was in, um, you know, the stadium prior to a match or after a match or when we were at preseason uh, in Portugal last year. And, and so I'm trying as best I can uh, to celebrate Justin, but it is very difficult not to miss him. Now's not the time, Kent, to talk about what happens next because this is such a difficult time for the club. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we don't know what happens next. Um, Nigel has asked that we all take three days off, which we're doing as a club. And, and so we're going to think about what's next and, and what's the best way to move forward. But for now, the most important thing is for us to... Um, I don't, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know another way to say it. The, it's, it's time for us to love Justin. That's what the next three days are about. It's just time for us to love Justin. And you know, Kent, that uh, Lake Orient feels like a family, and uh, it's a club that celebrates its past. It celebrates people that uh, are called legends, and Justin's right up there, isn't he? He, he will never be forgotten in the family of Lake Orient. No. No, he won't. No, he won't. He won't. He won't ever be forgotten. Kent, thank you so much for joining us at this very difficult time. Thanks, Kent. Sure. And Dave, thank you for everything. And let me say this. 
thanks again to all the fans, the fans of Leighton Orient and the fans of football worldwide. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, uh, some interesting views from Kent and uh, obviously Darren, not an easy time for him either. No, definitely not. Kent clearly has a lot of love and affection for, for Justin, as we all did, um, because it was impossible not to really. He, he brought the happy times back and, and we're, we're fickle like us football fans. We, we love a manager who does that. And, and so Justin will always hold a special place in all our hearts because he gave us what we, we crave and he gave us great times. Now, Kevin, he, he said himself in that interview, difficult times, and, and, and Dave touched upon things that decisions have to be made. Um, he's given the, the um, staff three days uh, leave, if you like, a bereavement leave. Um, and the reality is, of course, that they've got to make a decision as regards running the club next season. Well, yeah, unfortunately, Andy, as tragic as this is, you know, football is not going to wait for anybody, is it? And fixtures come out I think probably next week and they have to decide what, what they're going to do as to whether you know, Ross and, and Danny are going to take the club forward or, or whether they're going to bring somebody in I think if they bring somebody in it's going to be uh, a terrible situation for that person to be in isn't it I mean well it is one of those I mean it's a, it it's, seems it's an awful, dreadful, awful time to be discussing it to be honest but well, it is, you yeah. know the reality is George and, and uh, Dave that that is a decision that Martin Ling is going to have to decide upon as difficult as it is and you know it, my own thinking I was saying to Kevin beforehand is that I think Justin has laid a blueprint down for success and the the, it, the best chance you've got of continuing that success is with the people who've been working with that blueprint I understand the question Andy I think now probably isn't the time I think um, now is the time to, to remember rather than to look forward the only thing I would have to say is that I think because of the structure of the club we're in a good position we've got to in Martin Ling, a director of football that really has a strategic view, and he would he have will have that strategic view around recruitment and such like, and in coaches such as Ross and Danny, there is an experience, but there is also an empathy to those players that are hurting. I think you know another thing you have to kind of think about is how quickly Justin achieved everything he did at Leighton Orient. I mean, I, I don't really think. I don't think anyone actually could have gone into the club the way it was and to have turned it around and to actually have won the title in 18 months. It's, and it's not just winning the title, it's winning the title against Salford with the money they have and you know, the biggest budget there ever has been in the National League. And Justin almost had to get, I feel like he did, he had to get everything right in terms of those big calls this season. And, and he did. And if he hadn't got those big calls right, Orient wouldn't have won the title. And I think for him to have done it, in such a short space of time just shows you what a, a tremendous manager he is and was. George is absolutely right. It was three weeks ago that we were at Wembley and it felt that we weren't just celebrating the title. We were celebrating what was coming next. There was yeah. that great sense that this is just the beginning and it's still just the beginning. Justin would want late night to go forward and he's laid the foundation absolutely he's laid the foundation and I look at this and it may seem a, a, a strange way of looking at it but I look at the the founding fathers if you like of, of, of rock music pop music the Buddy Hollies the Eddie Cochran's they laid a foundation and they were so good at what they did that 60 years later you know people still listen and still enjoy 
their work. And I think in Justin's way, in that 18 months, a similar period of time of success, if you like, he's laid enough things that in 50 years' time, people will look back, the younger supporters will look back in the same way that people do to sort of those singers and say, Justin Edinburgh started all this. And when you look at... Uh those that are remembered at late night, the likes of Laurie Cunningham, Jimmy Bloomfield, um, Tommy Johnson, of course. Justin Edinburgh is going to be right up there. He will never be forgotten. At well, in post-war, Dave, I think he, you know he's right up there, isn't he? If he's not the, the, the best manager, he's certainly in the top two or three, and that's for certain. And, 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 and the, the, the irony and the awful irony is that the two championship-winning managers, Jimmy Bloomfield and Justin both passed away at 49. It's, a, it's an amazing um, and an unfortunate coincidence. And I'm sure you'll agree that promotion back into the Football League was far more important than anything that went before. Yeah. Late Nine needs to be back in the Football League and to achieve that within two years is remarkable. And to achieve that without a big investment, take, you know, Justin took over the players that he inherited. There were very few changes were there. They just got better under his guidance. That was... That was what made him so good. The fact that he, you know, everyone, I feel like he made them better. You know, it wasn't just the players, it wasn't just the staff, it was everyone around the club. Everyone wanted to be better because of Justin. He was so inspirational, and I think I think he'll continue to be inspirational for this squad. Um, and he'll he'll lead them this season, even though he's not there. He will still lead them. He'll be the one that they're all performing for. Um, and I think his legacy will obviously be this this season, this glorious season, but it'll also be the academy and the players that now come through the academy because Well he saved the academy, hasn't he? Without yeah. him yeah. you you have no academy. So the you know, the sixteen to eighteen year olds that are gonna come through and you know, hopefully we'll see more Dan Happy's, Josh Cromers, Miles Judd, Sam Ling. And that next crop of players and the ones after that and the ones after that, they're all they're all down to Justin the reason, that's the reason they're there well he showed faith in them Darren and, and they repaid that faith back uh, didn't they just yeah they, they really did the, the young lads that, that he brought in Marvin Epiteta springs to mind and said on social media that you know thanks for giving me my chance and, and the amount of posts Andy that I've read from previous players not at Orient but who, who clearly um, th this was a man a, spe a special man a special man because I don't think I've ever seen such an outpouring of grief and love for, for, for someone as, as we've seen in the last couple of days. No. And, and young players uh, need strong management. And, and we know that he was able to do that with Josh and turn Josh Caroma into the great player that he's becoming. So, I, I think, I, you know, I always say it's not necessarily the length of your life, it's, 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 it's the life in your It's the life, the and, life and, you live. And the, and the fact is that Justin is probably going to be able to say at the end of the day now, we'll be able to say that Justin did something that probably none of us have been able to do, and that is to bring so much happiness to so many people, not just as a player and then as a manager at various football clubs up and down the country. He's brought countless thousands of people a lot of pleasure, and I don't think any of us will be able to say that about ourselves. Maybe Dave's the exception. <laughs> I think he, um, he created memories for thousands of thousands of people, um, and it's very hard thing to do that and I, I, you know Darren mentioned some of the the tweets from players and I, what's really struck me is the amount of tweets from former players yeah. um, and Josh Coulson as well talking about how he made them fall back in love with the game and I think that you know that says it all really he wasn't he wasn't just 
a teammate when he was a player. He wasn't just a manager. He wasn't just a member of the staff. He was a friend to these people. And he was, above everything else, a brilliant, decent man. And he loved Tottenham, Kev, as, as you do. And he was there for that uh, final yeah. in, in uh, Milan. And Madrid. Great Madrid, rather. And uh, he, he was... Um, up there on the stage singing and leading uh, yeah. I'm not too sure Sol Campbell would have been very happy with it but he was uh, leading the singing and, well, and enjoying himself and it was great yeah. to see wasn't it well you say that but Sol Campbell has tweeted today hasn't he you yeah know, so, of course it's yeah you know I wouldn't read anything into that but uh, yeah um, don't really know what to say Andy because it's, it's just so sad isn't it it's, well I think the thing is also that when he when he spoke to you, he he, he acted totally different, George. When he when he spoke to us and when he spoke to Kevin, totally different. He, he, when it, we were at the Player of the Year doing, Kevin and I were. He came out into the foyer and he said hello to me as as he would do normally. And then he, as soon as he started speaking to Kevin, they they gave each other a hug and uh, Kev said congratulations. And Justin just changed because he's dealing with another player and uh, obviously another left back as well, but another. Uh, Footballer, well, and he just relaxed in your in your company and totally changed. I saw his personality just change and relax. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously he was there, and it was just a brief conversation, wasn't it? Just an hello and a congratulations and and that. But yeah, I suppose being the next player, I suppose he maybe feels more comfortable speaking to somebody who who knows what they're talking about, probably. Well, <laughs> maybe I don't know, but yeah, yeah. But let's uh, talk to another person who, who knows what they're talking about. And it's a, a very emotional interview with uh, our former CEO, um, Matt Porter, who I spoke to yesterday and then Dave uh, spoke to before we recorded this show this evening. And uh, Matt, uh, you know, has uh, done very well to get through the interview, I can tell you that. But uh, here's Matt Porter talking to Dave Victor. Well, I'm pleased to say that uh, joining us on the phone from Germany is uh, Matt Porter and uh, Matt... I don't know about you, but I feel numb. I, I still can't believe it. No, Dave, I, I share that. I've, you know, we've had an impossible week um, and, a, a, and a, a heartbreaking uh, 24 hours. And the contrast to, what, three weeks ago in Wembley, 23,000 late night supporters, didn't matter about the result, we were celebrating promotion. It was promotion achieved because of Justin Edinburgh, he was so central to the tr to the transformation he brought about. Yeah, he was. I mean, you know, fr from day one when Justin came in, he, he, he defined a strategy and a vision that, that was going to produce success for the football club. And he did that through strong leadership, through heartfelt man management, through clear communication, through the qualities that, that are needed to be successful and, and you know he did possess he, he did possess everything that it that it took and, and that manifested itself in in the season that we've all just just lived through and, and as you say that that contrast is something that I, I don't think anybody could ever be asked to comprehend there was a clarity about Justin and he sort of uh, could see weaknesses very quickly and right from the start he made one very significant change and that of course was Dean Brill and Dean was his ever-present it, it, it was, and, and you know, when, when you talk about um, clarity and confidence um, and strength of, of management and strength of decision-making, he, he made a decision um, and he believed in it and he stood by it. And it, when he did that, and there were so many occasions when he did that, not, not just with Dean, um, obviously Dean being the first sort of major decision, if you like, but every time he, he made one of those decisions, one, you know, that it would invariably be, be correct and if if there was anything that he didn't like, he would then, rather than just stubbornly stick with it, 
he would then reassess and, and, and take us in a different direction until we found that success. You know, we, we did a, the, the Orient Outlook podcast last week, Dave, and, and you and I, and we, we talked about how, you know, if we needed a goal, we, we, we'd have seven up front for the last few minutes. Now, you know, you, you've got to be a strong manager to, to do that sort of thing. You've got to be a strong manager to, to know what you want. And in the face of fans and social media and, you know, whoever telling you to do something else, you, you, if you know it's the right thing to do, you do it. And that's what makes people successful. And, and that was one of the things that made Justin and also, Justin underscored the importance of the squad. And I've known a lot of managers, but he's the only one that ever regularly spoke about players that weren't necessarily included in the, the 15 or, or, or so. He'd talk about people like Alex Lawless post-match in, in terms of his contribution in training. Everybody yeah. was involved, and that had such a big bearing to the spirit. That was the, the human touch. He knew he knew the importance of keeping everybody on side, everybody travelling in the same direction on the same journey, and you, you can't do that if you if you lose people. You know there were people, players early on in his in his managerial time with us who who could have been lost. You know for various reasons, whether it was attitude or ability, but he dragged them round and he, he got them pointing in the right direction. And and the players who played a handful of minutes were as important as the players who played all the minutes because. It was, a, it was a collective effort that was brought together by the leader. And he took responsibility, didn't he? Right from the start. I mean, the Solihull Moors game, I mean, he'd only just arrived at the club and, of course, Lake Norwent lost. What impressed me was after the game, he spoke about we and he took responsibility for that result. And I think one of the reasons why Lake Norwent often bounced back from a setback was because Justin took responsibility every time didn't he and, and that must have really been so assuring to the players yeah he did and that, you know he they knew he was in charge and they followed him loyally and 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 that that um that leadership bred bred that loyalty from the from the players and it, it's no coincidence and we've talked about it in happier times that the successful seasons that that had as a football club and i'm sure every other football club would say the same the successful times come about when there is a collective spirit and and a unanimity in in uh, in, in the dressing room and in, on, in the training ground and that can only come about because of the culture that is bred from above um and in the case of footballers that means the culture that's bred from from their manager um you know as, as a football club we 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 allowed justin to manage without interference and without persuasion you know he's the manager he's brought in to do a job do the job and 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 boy did he do that job supporters often talk about recruitment but uh, for me a good coach is somebody that's able to develop the quality of the players and under Justin the players just got better and better you could see their development and you could see they enjoyed playing for Justin so much yeah he wanted them to enjoy he enjoyed sounds horrific to say it in the past tense enjoyed life so much and he he enjoyed what he did on a day-to-day basis, and that that came that came out to the players because you could see how much they were enjoying themselves when they were on the pitch, and of course the confidence that comes with winning and and enjoying yourself just means that you get on this role and and look look at the role that we were on. On the odd occasion, we did stumble a little bit. We regained our footing quickly and we carried on, you know, carried on progressing, um, and and it was all to do with attitude, all to do with enjoyment. 
and he cared about the players so much, especially the younger players. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw the likes of Dan Happy, Marvin Epiteto, and particularly Josh Cuomo go from strength to strength because of his guidance. Yeah, 100%. And I think that the background that he'd had in, in management, initially in, in non-league and coaching, and then on to the, to the Football League with similar-sized clubs to Orient, like Northampton and Gillingham, Newport County, you know, it gave him that that grounding to understand how to bring young players through and how, how it to know when the time was right. Look at Dan Happy, who had to be so patient to start, you know, and, and how to make sure that they were managed properly when they were asked to do jobs that they hadn't done before, like Marvin Ekpatita had, or, you know, when and Josh Karoma became a regular player in a different position. Um, and, and again, they, they can only do that if they've got confidence to, to confidence to make mistakes because you can't go out there nervous because if you are nervous, you'll make a mistake. So you have to be you have to be confident, and you can only have confidence if the person who's putting you in that position tells you to go and do what 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 they know you can do. The support last season was magnificent, but with those numbers came a huge pressure. And again, Justin was on the players' side. He, he always acknowledged the supporters and the contribution of the supporters. But on the one occasion, I remember after the Dover game, there were one or two supporters sort of on the backs of one or two players. And he came to the players' rescue very quickly, didn't he? Yeah, he, it, you know, it frustrated him. He understood why the fans were frustrated. He understood the pressure. He understood the need for us to get back into the Football League. But it frustrated him because... It, he, you know, he knew that we were still going in the right direction, even if there was a bad game. And obviously, it, it's difficult for fans, and by fans, you know, I include all of us directors and staff and everybody in that as well, because everybody wanted the, the, the football club to do well. And, uh, and and Justin had this controlled, calm assurance that even if things were going wrong, he would know what needed to change, what needed to stay the same, and how we could carry on moving forward. And he did make changes mid-season, some very significant ones, especially when there were injuries. And, uh, you know, he, he had a real depth of knowledge and understanding for the, the tactics of the, mat, of the game. Yeah, I don't think you get that without having perhaps had the playing career that, that, that he had. I mean, I'm not saying that some, I'm not saying you can't have that. What, what I actually mean is that the, the playing career that he had, you know, a lot of it being at such a high level, would have given him that natural tactical awareness in the same way that normal people if you like would wake up and and, and know how to put their socks on you know p people who, who, are, who are born and live in, in football know how to get tactics right and, and things like that and he, he just knew when it was the right time I remember him saying to me after the Brackley game where I, I, I named the half time at Team Talk whatever he said at Brackley at half time was one of the pivots of our season and after the Brackley game, he, he said to me, I need to change this. I need to shake it up. I need to get us in something different. And we went to, we went to wing-back straight away after that, um, you know, for, for the rest of the season and, and look at how it worked. So again, it's that confidence of decision-making and that assuredness that, that the decisions you're making are, are going to be successful. It, it, it takes somebody special and some very, very strong-minded to be able to do that. Justin set such high expectations, but he led by example, didn't he? He, d he did. You know, he, 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 he wouldn't ask players to do things that were unrealistic. He wouldn't, he wouldn't ask people to go on and, and do something that he wouldn't have done when he, when he was a player. And 
he understood as well around the football club everything else that that was going on and and the roles that everybody else played and how those cogs fitted into to, to the big wheel. Um, you know, it was an all round achievement, an all round effort to get us to 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 where we were. Came from, you know, that that understanding and and that leadership that that he possessed. One of the ways that he stands out to other managers, not just at Lake Norwich, but. He enjoyed the game, didn't he? He saw the funny side of it as well, and he was confident enough to share that. Yeah, he was. He would, you know, he would he would share share anecdotes or, you know, something did go wrong, but maybe it was, you know, there was a, a way to find humour in it. Then, then you know, he enjoyed sharing that too. And often you'd, you 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 knew to maybe give him an hour after we lost. Yes, you know, that's I, what you were. Specifically, remember, I think probably last season more so than this one just gone when Gateshead knocked us out of the FA Trophy. I mean, he could he could have put his fist through through the wall in in, in the West Stand and, and carried on walking. You know, it, it was absolutely seething. You know, but again, turn the negative into a positive and learn from it and, and take it on in in a in a direction that will make sure it doesn't happen again. And how many times this season did we see that our, our ability to bounce back from setbacks? Um, to, proved proved to be one of the main reasons for our success. I remember the season before last, Hartley pulled away on a Tuesday night. I don't think there was much on the game. Leighton Orient lost, and Justin was furious. But the yeah. example that that would have given to the players is that this matters, and that it, what happened wasn't acceptable. No, that's right. And and even look at the Gateshead game on the last day of, of last season, a nothing game, you know, and... Um, we took nearly 500 fans up there for a lunchtime kickoff, the farthest away away game of the season, with nothing riding on it whatsoever, not even the chance of a top half finish. And we put on a really good performance, and we won. And you know, we, we unified as a club that day. You know, everybody on the on the pitch and, and in the stands t- together to acknowledge that you know the end of the first season of the turnaround and the building blocks that had been laid for this season. And that game was a game that he could have quite easily. I think there was a young lad, uh, Clayton may have played that day, but he could have just put the he could have just put the kids out. But he played a proper team, um, and he he played made sure that they turned up to play in the right way because every game mattered. Matt, we're never going to forget uh, the scenes after the title had been secured, and uh, you know, twenty three thousand at Wembley. He achieved so much, didn't he? And he did it the right way. Yeah, he did. He did it the right way. He did it professionally. He did it with a human touch. He did it in a way that made people proud of Leighton Orient again. And, you know, it's up to us now to make sure that that effort doesn't go to waste. You know, as a football club and as individuals, we've got a duty to make sure that, that what he achieved lives on. Because it did feel like the beginning and Justin would still see it like that way, wouldn't he? He would, and this would be a new beginning. You know, he would be, he would be looking at this as a season, obviously in League Two instead of the National League, uh, and you know there would be no excuses. He, he would not want us to, to to fall back into our shell. You know, he would want us to push on because of the again of the, the foundation blocks that that he laid. So, you know, we, we've got an obligation, a professional and a moral and a personal obligation to make sure as a football club we keep moving forward. Um, and, and, and take the work that he put in to get us where we are, take on it and use it wisely. Finally, from uh, me, Matt, um, there was one thing that was more important to uh, Justin than football, and that was his family. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, Justin's got an amazing family. And they became part of our family. Yeah. And and that will stay that way. Matt, thank you. Um, we, we all know just how remarkable Justin was. And uh, this is an opportunity to look back and reflect and celebrate a remarkable man and somebody that was, as you say, very much part of the Lake Norwood family and somebody that um, whose memory will be treasured. That's for sure. And, and thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. 100%. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was clearly really difficult for uh, Matt. And I think it just, you know, Matt's emotion just demonstrates how those people that were really close to Justin, their respect and their love for the man and just how they are grieving at this point, Andy. Well, it's the same feeling you saw earlier at the ground, Darren. It, it is. Um, I, I think every Orient fan, every Orient employee, every Orient player, I think um, all of us as a family are grieving. Um, but our grief is nothing in comparison to what Justin's direct family are going through. Absolutely. And Barry Galvin was here earlier, and unfortunately Barry uh, had to leave us. Um, he did do a little interview with... Uh, Paul Levy, Levy, which we'll uh, hear in a moment, but Barry said to me, he, he passed Justin at Wembley at the end of the, the final, and he said, don't worry, he said, he said you'll, you'll always be a champion to us. You gave us back our respect. And Barry, in trying to tell me that, was almost breaking down. He, he could hardly get the words out. And he said, I didn't realise it would be prophetic and that uh, a couple of weeks later we would lose him. Um, but let's listen to... Uh, what Paul Levy from Orient Outlook's got to say, speaking earlier to Barry Galvin. Okay, we have on the on the line now uh, Paul Levy from the Orient Outlook podcast. Um, good evening, Paul. Good evening to you, Barry. Difficult to know where to begin, really, isn't it? It's um, unreal news about Justin. Um, you must have known Justin fairly well. You did many interviews with him yourself, and um, your thoughts on the man. Yeah, I don't know what I can say that perhaps hasn't already been said by you know, other guests and contributors of, of the show, really. Uh, yeah. We were always uh, fortunate enough to be, to be able to be present at post-match interviews. Justin, I felt, had this kind of sort of exterior to him as a, you know, when he was de dealing with the press, that he, um, you know, was very professional, very thorough, very forthright in his views and, um, and, and wasn't going to be taken lightly and he wasn't going to be caught out by questions and, and you know that the media asked of him well a lot of but people then, have said he was a winner did not they and he, he gave that sort of mentality in, in his interviews as well and um i suppose 100 percent player 100 percent manager absolutely always positive always looking at the brighter side of things yes all right we might have lost that one but actually off the back of that we've got this one back and that one back and there was always a positive uh, for every negative that somebody could bring to the table. But then behind the scenes, the guy that we didn't really get to know that well was the friend, the manager, the confidant, all these, uh, all the staff that are the players that have been tweeting um, recently, Ross and, and, uh, and Joby and Craig Clay and Miles Judd and Josh Caroma and people like that who, yeah. you know, he's had obviously profound impacts on lots of different people. He, he does seem ways. to be held in very high esteem and throughout the football community as well. And, you know, I knew him for the last year and a half reasonably well, but I, I had some connection with him before. He married, married one of my, my cousins, one of his best friends married my cousin, so I had met him a few times before. And, you know, he was just held in very high regard by everybody concerned yeah. and um, 
you know, it's to say that the strength of feeling that's come out of the football community for him has been overwhelming, hasn't it? I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. And it, it's times like this that just goes to show you how well regarded Justin was. I had no idea he was, you know, still so well thought of. You know, from Spurs, he's still part of their legend team, and I didn't know he did stuff for them on match days. Obviously, when Orient aren't at home and uh, or, or playing a game, and uh, he can get down there, you know. So. To, to be going back to a club and to be considered a legend still, I mean, it, it, legend is a word that's banded about quite freely at the moment, but I think it, it's savoured for people like him. And yeah. although he was only with us for 15, for 18 months, sorry, I think he could very, very comfortably will sit in that in that frame. With, well, with you've only, you've only got to look at his... Sorry, but you've only got to look at his record, haven't you, as a management. I haven't got the stats to hand, but, I mean, his win percentage was... Probably amongst well the best that we, you know, that we, we've, we've encountered at Leighton Orient, and um, you know, I think that holds him in good stead, you know, in any company to, to be, be legend, legendary status. But one yeah. more question for you: Do you think that um, it's a very difficult time for everybody concerned, ourselves, yeah. the club, all, all affiliated with the, with the Orient family, if you like? But do you yeah. think that, in some way, his legacy will help galvanise Orient to, to want to? to do something in his name, you know, to, to, to continue what he started, to, to push on, um, will make it, it will even more desirable, you know, to, to win yeah, in his uh, name. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it will be a travesty for people to not take on board the good coaching and the advice and the, and the um, information that they gave to, to, to them to actually do something with it. To, it, it the, the problem is that the next manager is going to want to come in and stamp their mark on things, but obviously it's got to be done in such a way. But, you know, the players have got to and the staff who, who have learned from Justin have got to make sure that they, you know, carry on all the good stuff that he sort of put to them and given them as, as career advice. You know, he was a guy... You know, unbeknown to many people, you know, in, you know, not behind the scenes, but but people like you know the fans that just wouldn't necessarily have known that because they wouldn't have seen him on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah, I, I think as part of his legacy and he's, he's managed to help turn the club around, and I think it would be a shame on all of us as fans if we weren't as supportive as we were to people like him and the team and whoever's wearing our shirt and whoever's managing the club to carry on and be supportive and, and, and carry on being positive towards the team and the club in general. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not suggesting everyone suddenly goes happy-clappy, but, but by and large, that there are always positives to take out of things and, and to just be a bit more positive, which is, which is his outlook, is to always have been positive and always be a winner. That's right. I mean, it, you know, it goes about saying it's certainly, certainly um, never be forgotten like an Orient. And uh, thanks, yeah. for your, thanks for your thoughts on this, Paul. It's, um, you know, we've, we've spoken to many and various people and everybody seems to have the same great opinion of Justin Edinburgh. Yeah. So it's a sad time. But thanks, thanks for your, uh, your thoughts and uh, we'll speak and, to you uh, soon. Yeah, and our condolences, obviously, to Kerry, Charlie, of course. Uh, Sydney and obviously all his family. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Paul. Cheers. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye now. That's the thoughts of uh, Paul Levy. And uh, let's hear the other half of the Orient Outlook. Steve Nussbaum speaking to Darren earlier on. I'm, I'm now joined by Steve Nussbaum from the Orient Outlook. Um, Steve, um, I understand that uh, you're uh, currently down at the club. And um, would you just share with us uh, what you, what, what's the mood, Steve? Tell us um, a little bit about how, how everyone is. I mean, there's, still, there's quite a few people here. Uh, it's very quiet, as you'd expect. Lots of traffic that's coming to a stop in the road. A police car's just pulled up and a few police have just out to have a look at what's going on. But it looks, you know, it looks stunning. There's Orient flags everywhere. There's Celtic top. 
There's lots of Tottenham scarves, as you probably expect. There's a Liverpool flag. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an eerie mood around, but, you know, one where everyone's just stopping to uh, pay their respects, really, for a man who um, turned the club around. It, it just uh, demonstrates, doesn't it, that how much affection and love there is out there for Justin. Um, you say Liverpool scarves and, and other clubs. I saw a Newport County one when I was there earlier today. Um, so thanks for sharing that with us. From, from one fan to another, um, yeah, what did Justin mean to, to you? I know, I know that, that he's the manager that gave us back the smiles. Just tell us, what Steve, what you, you personally um, f- f- felt for Justin and what he did for the club. I just thought he was a perfect fit for Leighton Orient, really. As soon as he was appointed, he seemed to get what the club was about. He kind of seemed to fit in with what the club stood for. He got a very good engagement with the fan base. And from that first game, as soon as he was appointed, you just knew he was going to be successful at the club, which is something that we were, were crying out for. You know, we've, we've seen all the messages about what a, what a good manager he was, but more importantly, what, what a good man he was. And you look at all the messages from young and old, I'm, I'm here with a family who we sit with. There's an eight-year-old, you know, he's written his own message to Justin, and he's had a photo with Justin. And, you know, he's got his dad here and his mum, and it's just all kind of ages here. All messages from people all over the world, all different clubs. But I just thought he was a super manager, and there was only one way this club was going to go under his leadership, and that was continue to go up. And you know, last Sunday on on our own podcast finale, we're all looking forward to next season talking about how Justin can push on and where this club can go and, you know seven days later this comes out comes out of nowhere but you know there's so many messages from players fans other clubs it just shows you what what a good man he was and how high his esteem was in the footballing in the footballing world not only as a manager but, but as a man and that you can't ask for any more than that and at 49 years old I think that this club feel rocked for the Potential, well, a manager or a legend who could have built his legacy. It's certainly um, a manager that, that I found personally um, always got the big calls right, didn't he, Steve? He always knew when to make the right decisions, the substitutions, the, the, the players that he brought in at the times he brought them in. Um, I, I can't personally speak highly enough of, of what the man done for our club and I'm sure you echo those comments and, and, and feel the same love as we all do as fans Yeah absolutely I mean you know he, obviously his first big call was spring Dean Brill and we all know that was one of the best choices he ever made and he wasn't afraid to make calls when, when they needed making but he was a man who when you met him you could see he commanded respect amongst the players when Kent and Matt and Nigel talk about him they they praised him to the high heavens and you know kind of the standards those guys have in the club so you knew he had very very high standards but when you hear Joby talk about him, when you hear Matt Paul talk about him today when Ross Embleton puts out his tweet about an hour ago about what a man he wants to work with Kevin as well just a massive just a massive massive character and a massive person to lose to lose from the club but he in the 18 months here like I said, he was only taking this club one way, and that was and that was upwards. And it's just it's just a shame what's happened, really. It's a terrible train. So, Steve, thanks very much for joining us, and and, and um, uh, uh, we uh, will speak to you soon. So thanks. No again. problem. Nice having Take me. care. Thank you. Well, that was Steve Nussbaum there, the other half of the Orient Outlook duo. And uh, gentlemen, it's coming to the end of the um, program, and uh, I think uh, we've.
covered a lot of ground and a lot of very true words spoken about what is uh, one of our all-time great managers at Leyden Orient. And uh, Darren, any final thoughts? I remember going on the pitch when Martin Ling got his promotion and walking up to Martin and saying simply thank you. Um, and I'm personally gutted I never got the chance to thank Justin for giving us that promotion and making us champions. And um, you're going to be missed, mate. Kevin? Well, I think um, his legacy, Andy, will be that he actually gave Leighton Orient supporters back the pride in their football club after, you know, a really difficult time. And to sum him up in one word would be winner. And that's it. George? Yeah, all I could say is that it was an absolute privilege to get the chance to speak to him um, every now and then after games and just to kind of get to know him a little bit over the, the last 18 months. And, you know, I think I speak on behalf of everyone, I want to say our thoughts go out to his wife, Kerry, and his, his children, Charlie and, and Sydney. And all I could say is that Justin was an absolute legend. Well, yes, he, he leaves us decades too soon, obviously, and with great memories and just a very sad time at the moment. I'll leave the final word with a man who is the voice of Leighton Orient, David Victor. Well, I think Joby McEnough, the club captain, has been remarkable. I mean, the, the tributes that he's paid um, from the heart. He's such a brave man, and uh, his interview on Sky TV uh, today said so much. Um, and I can't add to what Joby said. He he spoke about um, Justin as being one of a kind, somebody that um, commanded respect. And Joby, he quoted a supporter, and I think whoever that supporter was got it absolutely right. They said that he got us and we got him, just in Edinburgh.